You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Ezra Johnson. Ezra, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me. Ezra, you're talking to me from London. We're talking about your current show in New York at, uh, at Freight and Volume. Um, so to jump right into that show, uh, what what struck me about the show, among other things, is your you're making paintings of, among other things, what looks like a, and a very improbable subject, and there aren't all this, but paintings of people in what looks like an infinity room of Kusama. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, in a way, it's kind of a starting point. You know, and it's it's more um, yeah a jumping off point that you know I didn't have any surveillance in Kusama's infinity rooms. It was more just kind of an idea that I that popped in my head when I was um, at a Kusama show in Miami this last winter, and um, so it was something I visualized and then thought you know I'd like to see what that looks like. So when I saw that, I thought, you know, what what struck me about those those works were, you know, the Kusama show and that Infinity Room, which is travel the world, is so popular that people are doing selfies in it all the time, and um, and that seems partly what this is drawn from those those types of selfies, but also unlike any other kind of painting, there's no there's no horizon. What's happening in there is, is almost impossible to understand visually. Right here, when we see images of that, it's, it's, unless you've been in the infinity room or understand something about it, we don't know what's happening spatially, right? So it struck me that there couldn't be anything more difficult to paint almost in terms of getting the viewer to understand the space. Yeah. Well, I mean, for a painter, that's, that's kind of like candy a little bit. Um, you can, I mean, I, I'm not being that literal about it. You know, I'm not like a photorealist. They're from my imagination. And so there's a lot of room to sort of improvise. Um, and so there's sort of a combination of me kind of, I guess, practically thinking about how the space would um, mirror and repeat over and over and over and over again. But then there's the kind of reality that I butt up against of, um, I don't know, just my inability to imagine the other side of the figure I just painted, or does it flip or does it not? I get into all these kind of dyslexic challenges that are really um, stimulating to me as a painter. And then, yeah, just being able to deal with kind of an all-over sort of um, stimulation or sensation of space. Um, so there's sort of contradictions there that I, I think are visually um, exciting. That was sort of I think so too. That, that, that's always kind of amazing standing in front of these paintings, which are also pretty large. Um, like there's one shot winner, which is I think uh, four by six feet. These are, these are really big paintings. And it struck me when I was looking at them that from the viewer's point of view, uh, 
these are also challenging to look at. Just as you're saying, it's challenging for you in this almost like dyslexic way. What's slipping? What's not? How does this reflection uh, work? Because it's almost like a reflection of a reflection of a reflection that's happening at some point. So, for a viewer, it's also almost disorienting because we don't have the typical, uh, you know, points of reference that would allow us to see, for example, a horizon. There's nothing like that right. there. So, I mean, is, you know, compared to other works of yours, which I also want to talk about, these really stand apart that way because it's so, it's a very different experience for the viewer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I mean, I think that this series is going to lead me into a whole bunch of other works that sort of destabilize, as you said, the horizon um, in other ways, like it's, um, I'm very inspired by that. I mean, one thing I would add, you know, I've, I've worked with, um, sorry, I've got some traffic going by. I've worked with like still life, my whole sort of career. And I've worked with setups with figures where I make a horizon or I sort of see it as a stage. It's completely sort of artificial and changeable. It's, it's a, formal element that, you know, I'll raise or lower or I'll let the line not even connect behind the object or figure, you know. Um, so it's something that, you know, I think painters before me too, but um, like to play with, you know. And so taking it away completely or make fracturing it so there's tons of them um, in a way just kind of like amplifies that sort of play. Does that make sense? It does make sense, absolutely. And so, so the direction you're moving in is what then to to amplify that even even more that kind of that kind of play that kind of uh, viewer. Because as you're saying, right, historically painters have worked with this. I mean, you know, thinking of specific examples, it's like images often with mirrors in them from the Renaissance to now, um, you know, to alter perspective. But I. But what would what would the direction you would take this in? Because this seems, of course, so much further than that in terms of historical paintings. If uh, if you know Vermeer were looking at this, that they, they, and not been to the Infinity Room, they had no idea what's going on here, right? So, um, what what direction would this would this move in? How could you push this further? It seems like it can't get any further than this. This is like we don't even know where they are. Luckily, because we we all know something about the Infinity Room, we have a sense of it. Or perhaps we could see it in another way, um, but but the reflections are so clear that this isn't like a decorative background. This isn't just you know dots of color around. We know something's happening here. People are taking selfies, which are also painted in there. So so where would this move in terms of your your work? I can't imagine what the next step would would be in this kind of disorientation or removing of the of the typical uh, points of reference that we have. Well, it's hard to say if it'll succeed, but I mean, I have ideas. Um, one is to have almost like Rousseau-esque kind of jungle vegetation surrounding um, figures and objects um, that also sort of disorients the horizon or takes away the horizon. But these are things I'm going to start playing with um, this, you know, coming up in the studio next 
Um, I mean, some some of the work even even seems to still have like kind of references to to, to past work. The the what looks like a self portrait, right? The painter, um, also a very large painting. I think four mm-hmm. by seven almost. Um, it's a skeleton yeah. that's yeah, you know, the holding holding a brush. Exactly and, my my height. So, uh, so that, that's also out, kind so of exactly, exactly my. Yeah, and, and that's my kind of head. referencing art history and the self-portrait and, and, and doing something else with it, right? Because here's a, a kind of a mental mori, but it's also the trick of uh, a skeleton from three angles. It's also kind of like what's what's happening here, and clearly it's it's a skeleton on a stand, not a not like a figure, right? Uh, yeah. I mean the 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 sort of pose of the skeleton was a little bit taken from a, a Bruegel um, painting, um, the hand holding the brush and everything. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess you know it's it's play, it's fun, kind of. But it's also, I mean, I'm I'm. Um, in my middle 40s and I'm, you know, think, thinking about uh, life and death. I have a, a son now and I don't know, you know, it's, it's a way of also kind of reflecting on, um, I guess, larger issues of sort of life and death, but um, hopefully in a playful way. Um, I don't want it to be taken too seriously, but I know it's pretty loaded um, subject, especially the, the skeleton painting. Um, and, and, and to look at a few other paintings, there's one called Infinity Room Studio, um, which is, you know, a way of us stepping back in this interview a little bit, but also it's a, mm-hmm. it's an image of, of you painting a number of paintings that were in the show. One of them, it looks to me, is uh, one of the kind of Infinity Room paintings, but of course there are others here that are not, it looks like to me. Um, and there's also, you know, a view through the window and light, a kind of typical artist studio uh, setup. But this is, this is very different than all the rest because we're, we're looking at all of your work and how you work and the types of work you do, right? This is a, a painting that's sort of a meta painting of, of what's in there. Is, is that how you see it? Or? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've done sort of studio paintings uh, many times over the years, and um, there's a long history of that. Um, but I, 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 I wasn't actually planning to include that painting. I started it sort of at, before I started the Infinity Room paintings, and. Um, and then I picked it back up again, and I, it sort of became a way to sort of, it worked as like a summation of all the um, infinity room paintings. It's sort of like, I, I guess maybe I felt like those those paintings were getting sort of so um, ungrounded, and in a way for me, it was a way of kind of uh, re-grounding it, it in my, like, concrete studio instead of in in this sort of um sort of metaphorical metaphysical space or something i I don't know i mean that's my best 
um, attempt at sort of explaining my motivations on that. But um, yeah, that makes sense yeah. to me um, uh, because it also helps the viewer or myself understand your approach, right? You're not just surrounded by this kind of, as you said, un- ungrounded work. There's a number of things going on there. So to talk about another work, um, which there's a link to in here for, for listeners so they can see all of this, but uh, a work called Sometimes Shaky, also a large work, um, very much grounded, right? There's there's something on the floor that almost looks like it references the the lights of the painting, but this doesn't look like it's in the infinity room. And it, it just looks like a gorgeous portrait. There's a beautiful face there, a beautiful figure that's doing something, to me, a little enigmatic. She could be on her phone, or she could be, like, giving uh, a treat to someone or something or a dog or I'm not quite sure what's in the foreground. Um, but I'd love to know more about this painting because this really struck me as a kind of moment of, of peace. Of uh, her, her gaze is beautiful, unlike the gaze in, in some of the Infinity Room pieces, which is often at a phone. Um, this, is, this is a kind of a, a gorgeous gaze out to the distance that looks contemplative, um, but something is happening in her hand and something is happening in the foreground that I don't completely understand. Well, she's kind of in between, um, and yeah, you don't know if she's going to um, hold it up and take a picture or if she, or what what's happening in that moment. Um, I mean, she's it, that painting. You know, all of them went through quite um, extensive sort of vision uh, revision and you know revising processes as, as the, they always do, but. Um, so the the infinity room was in there, and it just like I just sort of struggled with it and kept changing it, and um, wasn't um, satisfied. And ultimately, I sort of whited it out. I actually kind of erased it with sort of very thick um, white paint, and um, I did that kind of in pieces. And I was sort of like it was a bit of a risky move and then I just kind of kept going um, over the course of a few days um, but ultimately I think that it became too illustrative with the Kusama infinity room there and I just needed to separate her and make her um, just kind of like I don't know exist in this like fraction of a moment and um, I, w- I was happy with how that came out so you know, I sort of, I don't, I didn't want the paintings to be totally literal, like I'm recreating infinity rooms or, you know, because I mean, there's nothing that actually, I think, optically really works or makes sense in them. They're all absolute um, fabrications, you know. And so, uh, but when you're kind of working with a concept, and you, you start following a thread and you kind of keep pulling the thread um you know, you can get a bit of a, tu- a sense of tunnel vision and then every once in a while, like, you know, I kind of kick myself and sort of realize, like, I'm just being too uptight about this and I need to sort of break it and um, mess it up and not, you know, be so rigid about it. And so allowing myself to um, 
if the, if the concept wasn't working to sort of white it out. Um, you know, that was, I mean, that's what happened there. But I was um, intrigued by the moment that um, was happening with her and her gesture. And um, there was a, a, a bit of a reference to an early Picasso painting. Um, I think it's called A Woman with a Fan. Um, but I've changed um, the hands around. There, the, one hand was sort of up before, um, inspired by the... It's like a, one of the Rose period, I don't know, 1903 mm. Picasso paintings. So it's sort of, you know, these all kind of start somewhere and then they travel and change. And part of that is, um, it, you know, it rarely works right away. And it's just, they kind of have to go through a certain process of, I don't know, um, layering and, and uh, figuring them out and then they end up somewhere different. I never know what the paintings are going to look like um, in the end at all, uh, whether it's the, 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 fig the figures in the show or, or the still life. I, there's also a few still life paintings in this show or previous series. Um, I never know what the end result will be. Uh, and I, you know, it's a little bit terrifying, but I kind of want, I want and enjoy the process um, of finding and searching. Um, I like that. You know, her gaze for me also seems um, like it has something to do with looking at art herself. I mean, this this kind of not lifting up the phone. I it it, it reminds me oddly of of an experience I had in in Italy where I'm looking at these frescoes by Fra Angelico in this monastery, and and he he painted uh, yeah, all these little frescoes. You, you, yeah, right, you so know those, right, San Marco. Yeah. Yeah, they're extraordinary, right? And so you, you go through these, you look in each cell, and, and for some reason, they're, they're so amazing that, um, that, you know, it captures people. And I remember seeing tourists coming through, snapping a picture of each one, boom, 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 and then suddenly they put down the phone because there's something there that they don't even understand, but it's... it's um, the, the gaze is just kind of like, oh my God, what, what, what am I seeing? What's happening? Why is this so beautiful? And, and it seems a little bit like that. That always struck me as like art kind of completely trumping the idea of, you know, let's take a photo and move on. But suddenly like, whoa, I, I, I don't know why I have to look, but I must keep looking. And um, yeah, if you know those frescoes, maybe they had that effect on you. But that's what that, that woman here in some time looks like. Those are all cells. Right. They're all, yeah. Yep. I think maybe there's something you can't quite put your finger on and you you know it's it's not you can't explain it away so you just need to kind of look at it and um, experience it. Um but yeah, Frangelica, that period of painting is one of my very um favorites, you know, Giotto, Frangelica, Piero, they they all had this kind of um I don't know, otherworldliness or something, metaphysical quality. Yeah. That's so true. Um, well, it's wonderful talking to you about this. Congratulations on the show. Uh, I know it's just up for a few Thank more you. days, but listeners can, can find out more about other, other shows of yours through the links here. I just want to ask you one more question uh, off topic, which is what are you reading at the moment? 
I started, I've been rereading a book on Matisse's life. Uh, it's a biography um, called Matisse the Master. And um, it's Hilary Spalling. I hope I'm getting her name right. I don't have it in front of me right here, but it's a beautiful book. If anyone's interested in Matisse, it's a two, there are two parts. The, the first part is his early life, and uh, Matisse the Master starts at, at his... Um, kind of the beginning of his mature work. It's really extraordinary. Ezra, thank you so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate your work and your time. Thank you, thank you so much. Me. Thank you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.